0: We are honoring a special group at the, the end of our time of worship today. Those of our students who are graduating high school and, and more than just honoring them, church family, what we are really doing for them is we are commissioning them. They're ours, they're our brothers and sisters, they're our church members that we're about to send out wherever God has taking them next, sending them out as witnesses for him, as lights into the darkness, as, as missionaries from our church. And as such, here's the real reality for for you who are graduating. Uh, You're about to face a lot of change and transition. Now, here's also the reality for those of us in this room. I'm willing to bet most of us in this room are facing a lot of change and some transition. And there's a question there. How do we walk with God when everything changes? How do we fulfill God's will when everything around us is transitioning? How do we live with confidence and boldness when the security of everything we know, the security of yesterday, has gone, and tomorrow seems uncertain at best, maybe stormy at worst? Well, the Lord gives us an answer for that, and that's where we're going to go this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one. We're going to be somewhere different today. We'll pick back up in Daniel next week, but this, this morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. Now listen with me what it says. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Now let's pause there for a moment. Because we're only a few words in, and we've already been given a massive piece of context that if you and I were, were in that day and in that moment and in that time, this would be the gravitas of Moses' death would be weighing heavily on all of us. If you if you look just one page prior, it says when Moses died in Deuteronomy 34, it says the sons of Israel they wept for Moses for thirty days. There was a month of mourning. Why, why was there a month of mourning for Moses? Well, understand, Moses is the only leader most of these people have ever known. When Moses first leads the people of Israel out of, out of slavery in Egypt, across the Red Sea, to Mount Sinai, and they, they make their way ready to go into the Promised Land, God's will for them... The 12 spies go up, they come back and 10 of those spies convince the people we don't stand a chance. God can't do what he's promised. So God says, here's the deal, you're going to go in, I'm going to keep you in the wilderness for 40 years while while this wicked and unbelieving generation dies off. And now when we pick up here in Joshua, 40 years has gone by. So this is what this means. For everybody 40 and younger, they have only ever known the leadership of Moses and life in the wilderness. For everybody 40 to 60, those who at, the, at that point of disbelief in, in Kadesh Barnea were, were under the age of 20, they did not die off. They were allowed to live. And for them, they mostly only know Moses' leadership with maybe some faint memories of childhood and slavery in Egypt. They've known Moses as the one who goes and meets with God. It says, according to Deuteronomy, as as one face to face. It's Moses who intercedes on behalf of the people. It's Moses who speaks God's words to the people. It's seemingly at Moses' hand that the miracles occur. That's why Deuteronomy will say there's no one like Moses. And now Moses has died. The security of leadership, the, the security of the only home the vast majority of them have ever known, it's all gone. There's a new leader. There's a new place they're being taken into. Everything has been upended. They are leaving the predictability of what they know for a land inhabited by dangerous people. They're leaving a place of comfort for a land that will require battle. Change is on the horizon. Unknowns abound. And, and, and let's make no mistake today. For you graduates, change is on the horizon. Where you step out from the leadership of your home, from the, the, the security and comfort of all that you know. But not just for you. There's some of us in this room. You're, you're in a different place this time this year. The spouse you loved and knew and security you had no longer with you. There's parents in this room who a year ago, you didn't know the fear of parenthood and now you do. There's some in this room that a year ago you worked in a job you were comfortable in, you knew how it worked and this year you're, you're in a totally new place and a new job. There's many of you in this room who, who look out at the security of the childhood you knew and, and the community you were surrounded with and now live in a society that you go, we have we don't recognize it, it's like living in a foreign land. Understand, church family, all of us face change and transition. All of us face moments of gravity where it comes about after the death of Moses. And why times change, God is still faithful. Now, it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke. God's unique servant Moses may have died, but God's purpose and plan and voice did not die. God spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, get up, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land of the Hittites, As far as the great sea, towards the setting of the sun, all will be your territory." So in the midst of this transition and change, God speaks to the one that He's appointed as the new leader for the people of Israel towards to Joshua. And He speaks and He says, look, get up, cross over, take hold of that which I've promised you. Take hold of My will. Go into the land. Go into the land which I am giving. Go into the land which I have given. That's interesting. Even God God acknowledges, hey, times have changed. He says, look, Moses, my servant, is dead. Change is normal. Change is normal. We don't like change. Maybe a few of us like change. I'm not one of those. I like change predictability, but change is normal. We know from Scripture that there are times and seasons for things under heaven. Tomorrow's done. The, tomorrow's done. <laughs> Apparently I didn't rest enough on the break. <laughs> Yesterday's done. The sun has set. The bridges are burned up. There's no going back. It is time to move forward. So, what God tells Joshua. It's time to leave the place you know, to go to the place I am taking you. People of Israel, it's time to leave the leader you've known, to now follow the leader that I've placed in front of you. Times are changing and you need to arise, go in, and He says, cross the Jordan. Now understand, crossing the Jordan would not be the most direct route God could take the people of Israel into the Promised Land. It wouldn't be the most direct route. There's other shorter routes they could take, more direct, but, but it is God's route. And it is God's route to take them across the Jordan, which at, we know from a few chapters later is at its flood stage. It's at its widest. It's no simple task to take three to four million people to cross this raging river. But God must be clear to this new group of Israelites that He is the same God who parted the Red Sea. He's the same God who will part the Jordan River. He's the same God who will take them across on dry land. The question is not if He is the same. The question is, will they trust Him where the previous generation didn't? So He takes them by His way, His miraculous way, into the land, it says, the land which I am giving to them. And later on He will say, the land which I have given. Well, what is the land? Well, the land is not just any land, it's, we call it the promised land, but what, what do we mean the promised land? It was a promise God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12 and reaffirmed in chapter 15 and then reaffirmed with each one of, with Abraham's son, with his grandson, on down the line. God's promise to Abraham that I will, I'm going to take from you, Abraham, and I'm going I'm to make a people who will be a blessing. I'm going to give them, you who live nomadically, who have no land, who've left your home, to follow my call, I'm going to give them a permanent land for their possession. Understand, when he says, get up, cross the Jordan, and and go into the land I am giving, what what God is, is telling them is nothing short of, get up and come into my will. Come in, let me fulfill what I have, the word I have promised you. Enter into the land because God is faithful to do and to give that which He promises. He says, come in. Take the land. Now understand, for you and I, church family, when we talk about what is the land, that's great. God had promised the geopolitical nation of Israel, uh, the land over there in the Middle East that you can hear the general description of there in the passage. If you want more specifics, read further in Joshua, and he lays out all the specific boundaries. Well, God hadn't promised us a land. I I do want to specify that today. The application of the sermon is not God promising you a new parcel of land somewhere in the greater Austin area that you can either sell for a higher profit or you can make your homestead. That's not what the word is, what, what is God's land? It's, it's God's will, it's the things which God has promised to his children. Well, What does that mean for you and I who are living not on that side of the cross, but on this side of the cross and resurrection, on, on this side of salvation? Well, understand church family, God has a will, God has a land, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And I wanna emphasize that, not simply to those of you graduating. You're gonna get a lot of cards with Jeremiah 29 11 on them if you're graduating. I know the plans I have for you. Everyone's gonna talk about the plans for you and we can all, oh, the graduates have all these plans. No, understand church family, God does have a plan and purpose for the lives of our graduates. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And I emphasize this, studies have shown post-COVID that among believers who profess to be believers having been born again by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, among people that we would say with at least taking them at their word, you you seem to fit the description of what scripture calls a Christian. Amongst professing believers in America, in the last three years we've gone from 86% of believers affirming and believing that God has a unique and purposeful plan for their lives to less than 45. That means most of us statistically are walking around, living in a world where we profess to believe in a God, but we don't believe there's anything special or planned that He wants to do in and through our lives. And understand, just like Israel stands on the other side of the Jordan and and God says, I've got a plan and a purpose, and it's not you hanging out nomadically in the wilderness. So, to every one of us, God has a plan and a purpose. His will for our lives involves salvation, for the will of God is that none should perish but all should come to know Him. Doesn't mean all will come to know Him, but what is God's heart? God's heart first and foremost for you and I as human beings is to be reconciled to Himself, to be saved and rescued from the death and despair of being sinners by nature as we're born. To be, to be brought over from the kingdom of darkness separated by an eternal chasm to be rescued and brought into the, the kingdom of light and, and seated as a son or daughter into, into the family of God, into a relationship of, of fellowship, of love, to know God, to be known by God, to, to be loved by God, to experience that love, to love Him. God has a plan and purpose to see us saved, to see us saved from sin, to see that salvation then worked out over the course of the rest of our earthly life to conform us into the image of Jesus, all because God is is preparing an eternal home for us where He really does desire to reward the faithfulness of our lives. Understand God's will is for salvation. Understand in that salvation, you are not a mistake. Scripture says you are fearfully and wonderfully, uniquely handcrafted in the image of God. You have the genes you have, not because you're the product of your mom and dad, but because you're the product of God's handiwork. You have the eye color, the hair color. You can go on down, the personality, this trait, that trait. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. There's a reason you're you and you're not me. There's a reason I'm me and I'm not you. And there's a reason that God calls us to different vocations. There is a purpose and a plan for our life. He's given us a purpose in this world, family and vocation. He's, he's given in His will a desire to use us there are people God intends to use us in His will to reach for eternity, ministry. He desires for us to know Him to, and to, to enjoy and, and to delight in the knowing of Him. There is a relationship. All of these things are God's will as He is lovingly and purposefully working for eternity, where by the way, He will have a plan and purpose for us in eternity. We don't, we don't sit on clouds playing harps contrary to Looney Tunes. Instead, we are rewarded, and we have work, and we, there, there is a real eternity. Understand, church family, every one of us in this room, God has a real plan and purpose for your life. Amen. And it's His plan and purpose, not your plan, that you pray for Him to bless. What does this look like? How does this will come, come into our lives? Well, it, It's dependent upon Him alone, did you see in the passage? Cross the Jordan to the land which I am giving them. Listen, God alone, God's will being played out in our life depends upon Him alone. And depending on Him alone, He requires our action. And there's a freedom there. Sometimes when we talk about the will of God, we get so worried about the specifics. What if I mess it up? We act as if God's will is all up to us. No, it's not up to us. It's up to Him. And He is faithful It's up to him to deliver the land into the hand of the Israelites. It's not up to their battle strategies. In fact, if you just do an initial read-through in there, he's going to have them cross a river that he has to part, and has them go across dry ground, miraculous provision. He's going to go take them to the first city they come up against, and rather than teaching them battle strategy, he's going to say, here's what I want you to do. Assemble the band, and once a day, for the first six days, take a lap around the city on day seven, take seven laps, scream real loud after the trumpets blow, and I'm going to tear the whole city down. You're not going to do a thing. But then after that, they're going to go into battle. They're going to clang swords. They're going to throw spears. They're going to have to raise their shields. You're going to find some battles with miraculous deliverance, some battles. God's miraculous deliverance is just through the effort of human. But in all of it, it is God who is delivering the land into their hands, not them. It's Listen, God's will in our lives isn't dependent upon us, it's dependent upon Him who is far above and beyond us, but He does call us to act. God's will does not play out in the life of the lazy. God's will will be unique for each of us in the specific things that He takes us through and leads us through and the timing that He brings things about in our life. Joshua's life looked very different than Moses' life, yet God was with both of them, bringing about His will. It will take time to play out, do you understand? God made a promise to Israel, to Abraham, I will give you a land, and it took 450 years for him to prepare the people to receive his will. They're gonna march into that land, and it's gonna take multiple years for them to conquer that land. Understand, God's will in our lives is not something that's like McDonald's where when you pull up and go, yes, I would like the double Big Mac, uh, God's will for my life, please have it ready in 90 seconds or less. That's not how God works His will. There are some things God will move quickly in our lives, and there are some things God will move very slowly. But He will bring about His will. His will will put us in hard spots, spots where we have to depend completely on Him. But understand this, when it comes to His will and His plan for our lives, there can be a sense of, well, how do I know that, well, how listen? Do you see God is the one who gives them the land? There is no one in this passage who wants Israel in the land more than God. There is nobody who wants God's will for your life more than God. That alone should bring a lot of peace, that you're not, God doesn't go, hey, I have a will for you, now figure it out. I've given you a bunch of riddles, a bunch of puzzles you gotta solve, and if you don't put in enough effort, it's all off, it all depends. That's not how it works. God said, "I." am God and you are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image and I have a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. I, I care about you and I have made most of my plan very plain and easy to understand. Amen. And the specifics of the plan, I'll deliver those, I'll give those things into your life. You seek me. Understand church family, there is a plan, a purpose for our lives. And the only true joy and satisfaction you will ever know in this world is seeking to know and live in the land God has prepared for you, not the land you think you want. Well, how do we enter into this land? Well, glad you asked. Look at verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Talking to Joshua here. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Here, all of a sudden, he's going to tell Joshua some truth. He says, Joshua, no one's going to be able to stand before you. No one's going to be able to stop my will from playing out in your life. Not only that, but just as you've seen my faithfulness with Moses, as you've seen me meet with him in the, on the mountain, as you've seen me meet with him in the tabernacle, as you've have you seen my faithfulness when everybody's complaining against him and I sustain him, as you've seen my faithfulness to, to, to remain with Moses even when he has messed up in sin? Just as I've been with Moses, so I am with you. I will not. Forsake you, I will not abandon you, I will not run away from you, or the word literally means to grow slack. My love and care and faithfulness faithfulness is not gonna grow slack, and I won't fail you. He says, Joshua, you need to understand I am with you, I won't leave you. I am faithful to my word, I will not fail it. And church family, you and I need to understand if we're gonna walk with God in, in times of change, we need to understand. The bare bones truth, that when it comes to being a child of God, God is with us. God is for us in the sense of His will and purpose for our lives. He will not abandon us and He will not fail us. He will not fail His word. What does it mean that God is with us? It's relational. It means there's a fellowship of of knowing Him. It's unconditional, meaning God being with us is not dependent as a child of God on how well I performed that day. That's why Paul says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's why it's so important when you come to faith in Christ, it's not by your own work, it's by Christ's work. When you and I come to faith in Christ, that moment of conviction where we cry out, God, I'm a sinner, Jesus, you are who you say you are, I need what you have done, I need the salvation only you can bring, it says that we are in Christ. Even when we are faithless, He is faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Our seat at the table isn't in the chair that we made, our seat at the table is sitting in the lap of Christ. Our security is Christ, His being with us is not dependent upon us. It means when you walk well with God, God is with you. It means if you're in Christ and you walk through a season where you don't walk well with God. God is with you. God is in you, the hope of glory. Now, His being with us doesn't mean we always feel Him. His being with us means there will be days on the mountaintop where we we feel the heat of His fire, but there will also be days in the valley where the canopy of the trees seems to drown out all the light and we hear all the threatening sounds of the jungle. It doesn't mean... That will always feel close. There are times where we will feel distant, where he will seem silent, where it will look like he is slow and inactive, where where we are faced with hard questions from the tough realities of life. His being with us doesn't mean we'll always know pleasure. In fact, Paul will say at at one of his final trials leading up to his death, but God was with me. What it means that God is with us is there's never a point when you and I are ever alone, where you and I are ever abandoned, where you and I are ever not completely and totally and fully and perfectly loved, and where God is not actively working in us and through us to accomplish His will, His purpose, His plan. Not only is He with us, He won't forsake us, but He is faithful to His Word and His promises. He's faithful to finish the work of salvation He started in us. He's faithful to provide and to protect. He's faithful to deliver. He's faithful to give. He's faithful to to bring about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He's faithful to supply all sufficient grace in the midst of our weakness. He will not fail His Word. And it's upon knowing this truth that this is what he says to Joshua, so be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land I swore to their fathers to give them. He says be strong and courageous, be resolute, be firm, be be fixed in the face of fear, in the face of danger, stand your ground. Church family, if we really understand the truth today that God does have a plan and purpose for us, that no other human being can, can rob us of His plan or purpose for us, that He is with us, that He will not fail us, He will be faithful to His word. If we understand those truths, then it means we don't cower in terror, we don't, we don't run away from His will. Instead, we see and we recognize that He's got a path He's laid out for us, and we get up in resolute courage, and we walk it. We walk it, we move forward. God's will will not play out in our lives if we live in fear and discouragement. Now, actually, make no mistake, if you're a child of God and you spend your whole life living in fear and discouragement, God will still finish the work of his salvation because he is that faithful to his word. But if we're talking about, I want to experience, I want to know, I want to walk the path that God has laid out for me to walk, it is not a path that is walked in laziness and, and idleness. It's not a path that is walked in fearfulness. It is a path that can only be walked being strong and courageous. Which means, by nature, it's a path that's going to pull you out of places you feel comfort. It's a path that's going to take us to places that feel dangerous. How do you say, how do you know that, pastor? Because if something's not frightening, you don't have to say, be strong and courageous. When's the last time someone looked at you and said, go brush your teeth, be strong and courageous? <laughs> Maybe you feel that way when you haven't brushed your teeth in a couple days and you got a dentist appointment. Right? There's nothing fearful about brushing your teeth, but there is something fearful living in a world opposed to God to walking out His will. And we are called to be strong and courageous, to walk that path strong and courageously. But he goes further than this to Joshua. He's going to say, well, how do I walk it strong and courageously? Well, look what he says. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful, giving heed, paying very... uh, very specific and and careful attention to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Here's what he says, you wanna be strong and courageous, he's gonna get specific. Here's what you gotta do, Joshua. You are now stepping into a role where you're leading three to four million people. You've gotta enter into a land full of people hostile against you. You're gonna encounter situations that you don't have the answers for, that you don't have the strength for, and you're gonna have to walk into it strong and courageously And before I sit here and teach you about how to lead a military campaign, before I sit here and teach you about how to administer justice among that many people, you need to understand what the primary focus of your life is to be. The primary focus of your life is going to be to know me, to love me, to follow me. And it's going to mean if you're going to know me, love me, and follow me, you are going to carefully walk in the ways I have revealed through my word. He says, be strong and very courageous. Listen, it takes strength and courage to follow Jesus in today's world. It takes strength and great courage to follow Jesus in the way He says who He is and what He says in His Word. Because we live in a day where there's many churches who say, well, Jesus doesn't really say that in His Word. He says, you want to know success, you want to know prosperity, you want to know... You want to know why that works? It's going to be as you keep your way to the word. And you want to know how, Joshua, you're going to keep your way to the word? It's going to be by you meditating on it. Now, what does he mean by meditate? Because that word doesn't mean the idea that may pop into many of our minds, which is find a real quiet spot, try to drown out all the thoughts from your mind and just try to concentrate. That's not what the word means. The word means literally to mutter something aloud over and over again. It means to repeat something on your lips, which is why he says, do not let my word depart. Notice he doesn't say from your heart or mind, he says from your mouth. Don't stop repeating and talking and speaking my word. He says you wanna make sure that you you walk, that you keep your way consistent with my word because that's the only path to success. You'll keep your way consistent to my word as long as all times of your life are marked by meditating on the Word, by meditating on the Word. Church family, understand if we're going to walk into God's will for our life, we must take heed, we must pay attention to what God says. What He says reflects who He is. God is not one way, and then His Word is another way. God has protected His Word, preserved His Word. God's Word is without error. What He says is a reflection of who He is. So if we're going to take God seriously, then we have to take His Word seriously. It means that we've got to know what He says, we've got to accept what He says. Whether we are culture like it or not, we've got to trust what He says. We've got to stand where He stands on all things, and we've got to stand and speak how He stands and speaks on all things. It means we have to be willing to be humbled, to be convicted, to be offended when His Word calls out our wrongs. And then we don't change His Word to fit our wrongs, but we forsake our wrongs to conform to His Word by His grace and the power of the Holy Spirit within. We must heed His word. And if we're gonna heed His word, we've gotta meditate on it. Meditation means we're gonna have to read the word. We're gonna have to remember the word. We're gonna have to trust the word. We're gonna have to cling to the word. It quite literally means we're gonna have to take the word and speak it out loud to ourselves. Most of us would go, man, it's so hard to memorize scripture. But isn't it interesting you have no problem memorizing and then singing the words of your favorite songs? Why? Because you meditate on them. You repeat the lyrics to those songs over and over and over again on and with your mouth. We must do the same thing with scripture. It's not, the goal is not to wake up every morning and read a couple verses and then not think about it the rest of the day. Read a verse, read a couple verses, read a chapter and then reread it. Re-speak it, write it down on a card, read it out loud to yourself. Listen, here's the reality, as you and I seek to walk and to follow God into His will, there are going to be dark places. There are going to be frightening places. There's gonna be times where where you go, God, what are you doing? And it's gonna be easy and tempting in those moments to doubt, to become discouraged. You wanna know how you combat that? It's by meditating on his word. It's by taking, okay, God, right now, I don't feel like you're with me. Right now, I don't feel like you hear a word I am praying. And that's gonna happen. There's gonna be times we feel that way, and not even because we're doing anything wrong. There's just gonna be times that's where life brings us. But in those moments to go, but Lord, here's what your word says. Your word says you are with me always, even to the end of the age. So I'm going to repeat that over and over again so that every time the thought comes that God must have abandoned me, I will reject it because your Word says you are with me. Your Word says you hear my every cry. Your Word says you already know what I'm going to pray before I ever express it. There's no problem with your ears. And so I don't understand what's going on. I don't get why this hardship is here. I don't understand this, but I will trust you. By the way, do you realize meditating on the Word? speaking the Word over and over again to yourself, is the very thing you see Jesus doing on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me is a direct quote from Psalm 22. In the darkest moment any human has ever experienced, when the one who is fully God and fully man took all of the wrath of God on our behalf on the cross, what do you find Him doing? Meditating on the Word of God. And so if we want to, if we want to live out God's will for our life, if we want to know God's will in our life, we're going to have to walk according to his word. If we're going to walk according to his word, it's going to come down to whether or not we meditate on his word. Read it. Repeat it. By the way, that, that command to meditate on your word, it's plural. It means don't just read it and repeat it to yourself. Read it and repeat it with other brothers and sisters in Christ encourage one another with this This is why you see Paul tell Timothy don't don't neglect the public reading of the word there's there's so much more that could be said but we must meditate on the word now here's what he says if you do this you will make your way prosperous and you will have success just just simply put does that mean that anything we set out to do I want to make a lot of money. I want to be really healthy. I want a lot of people to like me. Anything I set out to do, God, here's the path I want. If I, just, if I just meditate on your word, it's going to all come to be. No, that is not what those words mean. It's not what those words mean. The book of Job expressly contradicts that, where you have a man who, because of his faithfulness to God, suffers greatly. The life of Christ reflects that. No, it's not that. Those words in the, in the, in the Old Testament... The word for success, of course, 78 times, 67 of those times, it actually means to have insight and know wisdom. There's about 10 where it means to, to achieve something, to thrive. And in that idea of success, the success is not having prosperity as we tend to think of it in Western culture, but the success is God's will actually happening in your life. The aim when it says that you will be prosperous and you will be successful, it's not that you will have health, wealth, and prosperity this side of heaven. It's that God's will will actually be accomplished in your life. It's that God would look at your life and go, well done, good and faithful servant. Church family, God has a plan, a will, a purpose for our lives. It is meaningful, it is deep, it is rich, it is satisfying. No one can stop it from happening. No matter how much wickedness they apply, God will fulfill his will and his promises in our lives. He is with us. He does not abandon us on our good days, on our bad days, on our happy days, on our sorrowful days. He is faithful to his word. So it comes down to us to what he says in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Why are you still sitting here? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The world doesn't need the plans we've laid down for ourselves, this world needs Jesus, Amen. for whom we are the light of the world. And this world needs to see us living and walking and moving and breathing, walking the path that God has carved for us. Believers hungry, delighting to know Him, to love Him, to live out His will for our lives. And here's the great news today. Whether you're a graduate facing all the terror of, oh my goodness, what am I going to study? Who am I going to marry? When it's going to happen? Or whether you're any one of the rest of us in this room dealing with whatever challenge and change you face. God wants us to know his will. God wants us to have success in taking the land. And God has made it clear, walk with me. This is who I am. I am with you. I will not fail you. So be strong and courageous. Walk in accordance to my word and I'm going to help you out to know how. Meditate day and night. Church family, we should walk out with an excitement and hope because God does have a plan for us and we can actually walk it Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have a plan, you have a purpose for each and every one of the lives in this room. God, first and foremost, that purpose would be for anyone in this room or watching online who does not know you personally to come to a saving relationship with you. For those of us who have been saved, Jesus, you have a real plan and a purpose. You have real things you want to do in our life and through our life, real people you want to reach, real ways you want to take our life and shine your light of salvation to every corner of this world. And Father, far from that being a fearful thing of we've got to figure it all out, you're pretty clear with Joshua. Joshua, you don't have to figure it all out, you just have to with with resolve and courage, seek me, follow me. Honor my word, and you'll honor my word, and you'll you'll know the success of my will if you meditate on my word day and night. Lord, may we be people who willingly lay down the wills we have for our lives, to take up the will you have for our life. That we would know you, that we would love you, that we would honor you, that we would walk in accordance to your word. So, Lord, as we need to respond to you, may we do so now. It's in your name I pray. Amen.